0: You're listening to the From the Hack Curling Podcast, part of the Curling News and Sports Illustrated Partnership. When I last recorded an episode of the From the Hack Podcast in early April, most of us were just starting to get a grasp of how serious the COVID-19 pandemic was going to be, and many of us really didn't know if and when a 2020-21 curling season would take place, even though most of us were optimistic. Well, here we are some seven months later, and to be fair, we're still unsure of what the curling season will look like from week to week, at least when it comes to events involving our favorite teams. Now, I thought long and hard about how From the Hack could go about starting its new season without first addressing the elephant in the room, which is obviously the huge impact that COVID-19 has already had on the sport of curling. From clubs deciding not to open this season to others across the country opening with different protocols in place, depending on where the club is located, from the cancellation of World Curling Federation events to the cancellation of several of Curling Canada's Season of Champions events, and from the cancellation of many World Curling Tour events to the hosting ...of one-off events created so that teams of the same region can get on the ice and throw some rocks. As I've done over the five plus years on From the Hack, I've decided to let the other people tell the story. I've interviewed several players competing on the World Curling Tour to get a sense of the impact that the pandemic has had on them... ...as they try to piecemeal a schedule together in a season that would have otherwise been the key season in the current Olympic cycle... The format for this special episode will be a little bit different because I'm sprinkling in clips of several interviews I've done over the past few weeks. Among the people you'll hear from on this episode are Glenn Howard, Jamie Sinclair, Casey Scheidegger, reigning Scotties champion Carrie Anderson, reigning Briar champions Brad Gushu and Brett Gallant, reigning world junior champion Carly Burgess, Colin Hodgson of Team McEwen and Dynasty Curling, Carson Sturmay of Alberta, Laurie St. George of Quebec, Danielle Inglis of Ontario, and others. So before we get started, if you've ever wondered how they get those nice graphics into the ice at Grand Slams, at the World Championships, and at Nationals in Canada and the U.S., well, the answer is provided by Jedice, whose in-ice graphics from Easy and Textile logos to the world-famous Jedi's full house product are great ways for clubs to enhance the appearance of their ice and to generate much-needed additional sponsorship revenues. Easy and Textile logos are the industry standard for high-quality logos, and are a snap to install. Meanwhile, Jedi's customizable full houses are a relatively new way for clubs to grow sponsorship revenues by offering maximum brand recognition to those sponsors. No one can match a Jedi's design services, quick turnaround times, and product quality, which is why Jedi's products are valued by major organizations such as Curling Canada, the World Curling Federation, USA Curling, and Sportsnet, who trust Jedi's to provide the products they require for their high profile events. Jedi's. They bring ice to life. Oh, no, no, no. It was March 9th of this year, and I was making my way home from the Tim Hortons Briar in Kingston. The COVID-19 virus had become a big story around the world the previous week, but for those of us that were in Kingston, the focus was very much on curling, and truth be told, many of us were unaware of how quickly the COVID-19 story was exploding. I, for one, didn't know that people were fighting over toilet paper in certain grocery stores, and obviously we did not know that within a few days, the world of sports would be stopped in its tracks. To provide some perspective, here's Briar champion Brad Gushu in an interview we did in early April, discussing how he and his team tried to mitigate the possibility of getting infected while they were on their way to winning their third Briar in four years.
1: Obviously, we were we were aware of it. Uh, you know, we weren't watching the 24-hour news cycles uh, like probably everybody is at this you know, at this time, but we were certainly aware that it was there and that there was a risk. And, um, I know our team was, we were concerned in trying to keep our distance, distance as much as possible. Uh, you know, we didn't think the autograph session would go ahead because obviously that really puts, uh, puts you at a lot of risk with shaking, you know, a couple hundred people's hands. So we just, you know, we, we thought that was a little odd that that had, uh, continued. Uh, and then they brought and made an announcement that, uh, they didn't want the teams to shake hands, which. You know, at that point, we had just finished our autograph session, and we got shook the hands of a couple hundred people. And you know, we're in such tight quarters in the locker room with other teams, and that we just felt, you know what, let's let's continue the the tradition and, and shake hands. And uh, you know, looking back on it now, probably uh, with everything that's evolved over the last uh, few weeks, we probably, I think, as as players, we certainly wouldn't have done that. I think uh, Curling Canada probably wouldn't have asked us to to do the autograph session. No one you know, what we know now. So, you know, it's easy to look back in hindsight of how we would have changed things. But certainly when we were there, we we knew it was there, but there was always that thought, okay, it's not going to be as bad here. Uh, that's kind of, I, I think, the best way to describe it. You know, when we had SARS and H1N1, you, you know, you knew it was there, it was in the news, but it was always far enough away that it was, you know, wasn't going to affect you personally. And, and certainly this has gone, you know, well well beyond where those two uh, epidemics went and uh, you know now we're, we're we're all stuck at home waiting for this thing to uh, to go away which unfortunately doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon
0: Before we knew it, the world of sports was at a standstill. The NBA and NHL suspended their seasons, followed by Major League Baseball. In curling, one of the first events to get cancelled was the 2020 Women's World Championship scheduled for Prince George, B.C., where Carrie Anderson and her team were set to represent Canada after winning the Scotties Tournament of Hearts in Moose Jaw. Here's how Carrie Anderson found out that her team would not get to compete for a world championship.
2: At that time, it was still up in the air, but we thought that it would still be a go. So we went and did our, like, thing that we normally usually do, go grocery shopping, get our stuff that we need to prepare for our few weeks of being there. And then we were, I was in my room, and all of a sudden I got a text, and I looked, and, yeah, all of a sudden I was like, oh, no. (laughs) Came out on the news that um, the women's world was canceled, and uh, I quickly messaged the team we met in, um, our coaches room and sat down and uh, yeah we were completely
0: devastated. The pandemic also caused a cancellation of two Grand Slams. As Carly Burgess told from the hack, Team Zacharias, winners of the World Junior Championships, felt fortunate to have competed in the World Juniors but they were disappointed that they were not able to immediately take advantage of one of the perks of winning that event, an invite to the season-ending Champions Cup Grand Slam. We
2: are so unbelievably lucky to be able to play our World Championship. Um, we came home, and two weeks later, everything started to shut down, so we were lucky to get home, and so extremely fortunate to be able to play that world championship, as it was the first for both Mackenzie and Emily, and um, Warren's first time playing as not a fifth player, so it was it was a really great championship, and um, super lucky to, to have been able to play it. But Yeah, after winning that, we were hoping to um, play in the Champions Cup because the winner of World Juniors gets an invite to that. So we are all super stoked to to be able to play in a Grand Slam together because we bonded so well um, just through that one season. So the goal of getting to a Slam in our first season was was pretty cool. So uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to, to play in it, but our invite is still available for this year if it does decide to run.
0: Like just about everyone else in the world, curlers spent the summer wondering what the next few months would look like. Even for an elder statesman like Glenn Howard, who has been competing at the elite level for the better part of 40 years, the shutdown caused by the pandemic was disconcerting.
3: I've been doing this for a long time and I, in my entire career I've never, I've never had anything like this or never experienced anything like this ever. You know when this pandemic hit, and even then you know they, they shut it down for the right reasons and everything i I still in the back of my head thought nah'll you know it, I'm sure it'll be fine, we'll get through it over the summer and you know, really naive to the situation and and thinking we're going to be back at it in september and you know you heard you heard the experts saying you oh, know this could be this could be eighteen months, this could be two years and uh I, they're 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 not wrong and there's a good chance that it could continue and even in the but even in the back of your mind you still obviously you're hoping that we're going to get this thing uh, sort of uh, somewhat under control and we're going to be able to play the game we love to do and uh, love to do and play and uh, i think it took me a good chunk into the summer when you started to realize that oh my god like when you do a quarantine yourself when you're you know you start to, you're wearing your mask and you're, you're staying away from people and you're you're doing everything you're supposed to do and you're thinking oh my god this is uh, This is so bizarre that uh, this this has a a long-term feel to it, and and obviously that's that's what's happening. It's becoming a lot longer than I expected, and I think it's going to even happen longer.
0: Throughout the summer, the World Curling Federation, Curling Canada, the Grand Slam of Curling, and others started cancelling events scheduled for the 2020-21 season, which obviously impacted all the world's top curling teams. As Daniel Inglis, skip of the 36th ranked women's team in the world explains it, the cancellations and the changes in the fall schedule force teams to change their approach to the season.
4: Every team starts off by making their their big goal, their ultimate goal and uh then building their way backwards from there. Um and with with things being so up in the air, it's it's hard to be able to build a, that a schedule around that goal. So especially when, because truthfully, the planning for, for the next season begins sometimes even partly way through your existing season. So we're you're already thinking about it way back before the pandemic hits of what your next season will look like. I know our team personally talks about playing playing more events, traveling more uh, to get the point. Uh, and now, of course, that's all out the window. Uh, and with how unpredictable it is, right now uh with with covid uh, across canada every every province even every region in a province is looking at something different so it's more of a, a moving target right now but it's just trying to make the best of what we have to work with really
0: although his team is assured a spot in the olympic trials already team gushu's brett gallant says the uncertainty and the early season cancellations have also impacted the reigning briar champions
5: the uncertainty, I guess, is the hardest part for us. Uh, you know, usually we're, we have our plan in place by June or July, and we're back on the ice in probably August. But, um, you know, we were doing a lot of planning and scheduling as a team, trying to trying to work out, you know, how we can make the best of our time. And, you know, our, our plans changed numerous times and, and still are changing to this day. So um, I guess now we're happy to be on the ice and practicing. Um, we have a few events we're going to play in the Atlantic bubble this fall uh, in Halifax. Um, so we're happy that we're going to be able to have a, a little bit of competition. Um, not nearly as much as as we're used to, but um, you know it gives us a little bit something to focus, uh, you know, our, our practices towards and um, get our competitive
6: juices going again.
0: Team Gushu is one of many teams where the four players have been unable to practice together. With several teams taking advantage of the import rule or the birthright rule, elite teams often have players that live in more than one province, and travel restrictions have made it difficult, sometimes impossible, for teams to practice together. That's the case with Team Gushu and several other teams. The province of Quebec has been an especially challenging place for curlers since they have not been able to travel from one zone to another within the province to compete or practice. For Laurie Saint-Georges, the restrictions have meant that... She has been unable to practice with teammate Haley Armstrong who lives in Ontario or her mixed doubles partner Phoenix Astley who lives in Quebec but works in a different zone than Saint-Georges and has been unable to travel from one zone to another for practice. Obviously in Quebec the
2: situation is not easy right because there's some uh, regions in Quebec that they still can't actually play like in Val d'Or. In Val d'Or they still can't play when you're not in a red zone people can 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 be uh, can be done so uh, for us in quebec in in a red zone like in montreal we can't even like travel to Val d'Or to, to go play there because we're not allowed so obviously there's a lot of appeal um, last minute, uh, canceled, and even we wanted to go uh, to Kitchener. We were trying to go uh, both Kitchener, well, the two old Two days before the event, we contacted Jerry Gertz, and we were like, honestly, Jerry, I don't think it's a good, like, it's a good idea for us to go. Not because it's not safe there. It's because Curling Quebec and the government here, they said, well, you shouldn't go right, you shouldn't go because you're from, like, a red zone, so we didn't go, so we're not going to play much, and we have a player who's from Ontario, Haley Armstrong, and so she can't even come practice here because she's not allowed, and we can't go there because we're not allowed, so it's a lot of things like that that just, it's hard to actually deal with, like, especially team dynamics, right, like, we're trying to to practice together, but it's it's hard because um, uh, you can't practice uh, in Montreal more than two per sheet, so you can't be four on on, on a sheet. You just can be one or two. So that that's honestly, it's it's a complicated to actually be uh, really and invest uh, invested in your sport when you can't. You can't practice, you can't do
0: anything. Things seem to be especially complicated for three-time U.S. national champion Jamie Sinclair, who spends her off-seasons in Canada and has been unable to practice with her three new teammates who are all based in the U.S. After many Zoom meetings with her new teammates, Sinclair finally made it to the U.S. for a weekend of practice and games, thanks in part to her dual citizenship, which made it easier for her to make it back into Canada.
7: Well, throughout the summer, I honestly had no idea what uh, this season would look like, um, as for a lot of players out there. But uh, we formed a new team, and we basically just started by uh, doing a lot of conference calls, a lot of video calls. <laughs> so we got to meet each other um, and work through a lot of systems just online uh, to try to make as, much, uh, as many strides as we could as a team. And fortunately, um, back in September, I was able to go down across the border um, I do have dual citizenship, so I have both passports, so that made the whole process a lot easier to just get into the country and be able to meet with the team. We got onto the ice. We did uh, a ton of uh, just training together on and off ice. And then I was able to make my way back across the border into Canada, which, which was good um, just because I had that passport. Since I got back to basically doing the mandatory 14-day uh, quarantine um, in my house, so I've been doing a lot of projects on the house, um, but it looks like, uh, I mean, the team has just taken it basically month by month um, to try to plan our schedule. But we're, um, we're just doing it one trip at a time um, to try to get together as much as we can um, and do as much as we can individually as far as training and practicing. Some people have ice, some people don't. Um, some current clubs aren't even opening this season. So we're just um, just taking it basically one day at a time.
0: In certain provinces, such as Alberta, many of the clubs have opened a schedule which has allowed some of the elite Alberta teams, such as Karsten Sturmey and his team from Edmonton, to play in regional events and, most importantly, to spend time practicing together.
6: Admittedly, at the onset of uh, the end of last season, before the pandemic, our team did have high goals of playing in a lot of events, chasing points hopefully securing a pre-spot trial, getting a spot into the slams. Uh, Now, obviously, things are definitely a little bit different. The past couple months have been a series of planning, replanning, and then replanning again. Uh, But you know what? At the end of the day, like, we're really just trying to make the most out of the situation. We are fortunate to be living in a province where there is a decent amount of events going on. They are a little bit more local in scope than they used to be, but we're still very fortunate to be able to play in them and to be able to compete against good, high-quality teams. As it pertains to team goals, uh, we've really uh, set two big goals. Like, we want to have a very good showing at the Alberta Men's Provincial this year, uh, hopefully book a ticket to the briar. We've been really close in the past couple of years, and we do believe that with the uh, the extra training and practice opportunities that are available to this year due to a reduced schedule, we have a good shot at that. And then the other big goal is securing a spot in the pre-trials about 14 months down the road. Uh, obviously, nobody quite knows yet what the qualification process for that is going to look like, but we do believe that there will be an opportunity for teams such as ourselves to put ourselves in a good position to qualify for the pre trials And at the end of the day, it's really how you frame it. Like You can look at it as oh, it's too bad that we can't play in big events and we can't travel and we can't do all that, where you can look at it now, we really have more opportunity to practice as a team, work on areas that we've identified as weaknesses, continue building on our strengths. We do all live in Edmonton, so we are fortunate in that respect to be able to put some uh, good, high-quality practice time over the next couple of months.
0: Alberta's team Scheidegger had big plans for the 2020-21 season as they looked to play more events and work their way back into contention for a spot in the 2021 Olympic trials or pre-trials. The pandemic forced them to change their plans, but as Casey Scheidegger explains, the team has made the best of a bad situation by planning more team practice weekends since all four team members are based out of Alberta and aren't limited by travel restrictions. We
2: um, have been able to get together, which has been really nice, so... We've had two weekends where um, Christy has flown down from Grand Prairie, and Terri-Ann's actually in Milk River spending some time with her in-laws down here. So um, it's nice to have her in the south for for a little bit. Um, But we were able to travel up to Calgary for a day in um, late September and practice as a team. And then we just actually had a team weekend this past weekend, which was really nice where we could utilize three days together and, you know, um, spend some time technically practicing and then also doing some game scenarios. So that was, was good for us. The restrictions in Alberta are, I think, pretty different compared to some of the other provinces. So um, it kind of worked in our favor to be able to travel and, and get together to be able to practice. We are a team that typically doesn't play in a ton of events. Um, we try to, you know, normally our schedule allows us to do five or six, and that's just because of our family and our, our job commitments. Um, so because three of the four of us were on maternity leave and Christy's work has been really outstanding in allowing her to have time off, we, we did have a much heavier schedule planned for the upcoming season um, because we knew that we had some work to do to be able to, you know, climb the CTRS ladder. So we were playing in quite a few more events. That was the plan anyway, but um, COVID has kind of thrown a wrench in that. So we're really, you know, just trying to accept the current situation and then doing everything that we can um, with that. So for us, that means we're likely staying in Alberta because of the restrictions in other provinces. Um, And then we're not super keen on flying with uh, three babies either. So for us, it's kind of anything we can drive to that we're allowed to plan, we'll try to do.
0: As we all know, the sport of curling has not been immune to positive COVID test results. Back in March, several people who competed at the 2020 U.S. Club National Championships tested positive, as did several participants in a recreational bond spiel held in Alberta at the very start of the pandemic. The World Curling Tour dealt with its first COVID scare at the Stu Cells, Oakville Tankard, hosted in Kitchener-Waterloo, when the men's playoffs were cancelled after a member of Glenn Howard's team received a notice from the COVID app that he had been in contact with someone who had tested positive. Glenn Howard joined from the hack to explain the situation that occurred at the Stu Cells.
3: We did have, uh, I guess you'd call it a bit of a scare, uh, a couple of weeks ago in Kitchener. uh, Tim's uh, COVID, government COVID app went off to say that he was possibly exposed to somebody that actually had COVID. Uh, long story short, he got tested. Within a couple uh, couple of days, we found out that it came back negative. Uh, all of us, and he had no symptoms, no nothing. It was just uh, that app. Uh, I guess that's the way the app works, it sort of notifies you of uh, possible exposure. Uh, he came back fine. Uh, we then, uh, all of us were fine.
0: Although the men's playoffs were cancelled that weekend due to an abundance of caution, the women's event continued without incident. The Kitchener-Waterloo Granite Club has hosted tour events on four separate weekends this season, and according to Doug Zurich, a member at the club, who many of you know by his Curling Geek nickname, the events in KW did have a very different vibe than they typically do for world curling tour events held in the very same building.
5: Yeah, the Kitchener-Granite Club is is lucky in a few ways. Uh, It's the Waterloo region where I live. Uh, numbers are fairly stable, um, relatively low, fairly stable, so we're doing well that way. Uh, the physical building itself at the KW Granite Club, quite large. Uh, we've got two lounges, so it's a primary lounge behind the sheets, as well as another large one off to the side. So it just gives us a lot of space that we can, you know, social distance people in the club. Our, our first event, and this, this was a, a nice way to do it, I think we, I don't know if it was planned or we got lucky. Um, a mixed doubles event, so half the number of players out there, only one draw. Uh, I was at the club for a good chunk of that event, and it, it, it felt very safe. There was lots of space between everybody, um, no, no civilians, no uh, audience behind the glass there. So relatively small number of bodies in a large building, lots of space. Uh, people were pretty aggressive in wearing masks. Um, at the time, they were allowed to pull them down when they were throwing or sweeping, but uh, the players were, were pretty darn good about getting those masks back on. The following weekend, when we had our, our the big some uh, of the, the the two cells event, the big cash deals. So it was multiple draws, four-person teams, etc. Uh, only one draw worth of people were in the building at a time. Everybody else was <laughs> staging out in the parking lot. So that was good. But the the building felt noticeably more. I'm going to use the word crowded, uh, even though that's only by new modern um, COVID standards. It just felt like there were a lot of people there, hard to, to stay two meters from people just when everyone's in motion and walking around. Um, so no one was able to really maintain that ultra-pure social distancing. Uh, again, people were very good with masks. By the end of the weekend, masks were mandatory, uh, even when throwing and sweeping. So kudos to the players now that I respected that. But the good news is uh, everything seems to have gone really, really smoothly. Um, so, Uh, The events ran well, the ice was good, players were happy, uh, good curling happened, uh, no one's gotten sick yet, so fairly successful so far, uh, despite the the one significant scare that happened.
0: Arnold Ascham's passion for curling, along with his natural propensity to explore new ways to better the game, led him to a whole new world of product design. As a result, all Asham Curling Supplies products are designed with the curler in mind. Asham's patented Ultralight RDS technology makes it possible to change and customize your slider with any combination of sliding discs. With equal resistance on all sides, the circular design that guarantees a straight slide. These circles have also been designed larger and with stabilizing bars from the outer unit sole to produce the most stable straight sliding shoe the world has ever seen. Go to www.asham.com for brooms, apparel, and revolutionary designed footwear. And if you're considering buying new curling shoes, you must consider the rotator sole. It's the sole of the future. Oh, the cancellation of so many events has raised an interesting dilemma for many of the top teams, who depend on sponsorship to offset the cost of competing at the highest level. As Glenn Howard explains, the pandemic has certainly had a significant impact on sponsorship, and it's forced teams and event organizers to get a little more creative in order to provide sponsors with a proper return on investment.
3: It's, you know, Frank, It's been a, it's a huge impact. And uh, that was, to uh, be honest with you, one of the first things I thought of uh, when this you know this year started and I'm thinking, oh my god you know we need you need sponsors you need you got you have to have sponsors to be able to curl at the level we're at and the amount we want to curl uh, you need you need sponsorship money. you just can't flip your own bill um, and that was a big fear of mine and unfortunately and from from team Howard's perspective we've we, like you said we've had I've had a lot of sponsors for over many years and they've been incredibly loyal and they're sticking with us and they're uh, you are they going to get as much exposure as, as the previous year's Pretty much guaranteed not. Uh, depends because we're not going to. I really don't. I'm not sure if we're going to be on television at all this this entire year. And then I've talked to many, many teams. Some, some have heard. You know, some sponsors have pulled out. They, to your point, they've you know had a rough six months. Uh, they can't afford it. I totally get that. Others have stuck uh, come hell or high water. They're still going to support their teams. I think it's all over the map. That being said, there's no possible way it's as good this year as it has been in previous years because there's no way that everybody came through with. It. I don't, you know, I don't think you're going to see too many teams with many more sponsors that they had before, um, basically because it's hard to give them the bang for the buck. It's uh, you, you can't guarantee any television. Now, on the, on the other side, though, and I got to give um, I got to give Jerry Gertz a little bit of credit here. He, uh, you know, on his his broadcast, he. Um, uh, he, he, he's been flogging. If he asks you about your sponsorship. He, he, he tries to flog that for each team that's out there in the live streaming, and the live streaming has really been amazing. Uh, you know, we, we've a lot of teams are doing their own, as we have as well, uh, and we're getting. You're getting anywhere from a thousand to I've heard our final game against John Epping a week ago. There was eleven thousand viewers, at least eleven people, eleven thousand people hit on watching this live streaming. That's something we've never had previous. So that is something it's a lot better than the 150 at a curling club watching you so the streaming is getting out to some of the masses is a television numbers no but it's still impressive and i know our sponsors really appreciate that that they can at least get some exposure um out there albeit it's not you know 600,000 but 11 you know 10 11,000 is still pretty darn good so uh yeah our sponsors have been really good i again i've heard some horror stories on 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 both sides um i think for the most part uh, I think the bigger teams are still doing pretty well uh with their sponsorship, and the guys are hanging in there, which is great to see uh, I feel for maybe some of the, the the smaller uh maybe some of the other teams that uh, you know we're somewhere in the middle, but uh some of the other teams that are really relying on that you know twenty twenty five thousand dollars so they curl and I would hate to see. The sponsorship not come through, and then inevitably they can't curl because of that, and that's that's scary. And, and you know yourself sometimes when sponsorship or something goes and misses a year, it, it's really hard to get them back after another year. And, um, but to originally to, to, to answer your question, yeah, it's very very important. It's very uh, it's detrimental, I think, to our to our sport. Uh, and we really really need these these uh, sponsors on board. And uh, COVID has definitely hurt big time.
0: As the reigning World Junior Champions, Team Zacharias were in a prime position to be an attractive option for companies interested in sponsoring a talented team making their way towards the top of the rankings. Despite the difficulties created by the pandemic, Carly Burgess told From the Hack that their team has been fortunate when it comes to sponsorship for the current season.
2: It, it has affected a lot of teams, and but we've had such a great season last year, and, and all of our sponsors were so supportive throughout the whole year. And with the unknown, um, this year, I'm I'm so shocked that our sponsors still came on um, to support us, and and we have some really good sponsors. But especially Asham, who even stepped up and and wanted to come come with us again. So I can't say anything negative because I our sponsors either came back on or we've had some new sponsors. So honestly, the COVID hasn't really hurted our team in sponsors. Specifically, and, and we even got a new sponsor from PEI with Lauren, um, who came on um, this year. So it hasn't affected our team, but we're making sure to to reach out to all our sponsors and post on social media because we wouldn't be even without the travel. We wouldn't be able to do half the amount of stuff we do, or or get to have the best equipment um, without these great
0: sponsors. So
2: yeah, there, it hasn't COVID hasn't affected our sponsorship.
0: Even players that are funded by their national curling federations have felt the financial pinch caused by the pandemic. As Jamie Sinclair explains, national team funding does cover some of the costs of competing at the elite level, but athletes are also dependent on sponsors and on side hustles to help make ends meet definitely been difficult
7: i typically have been a full-time curler so throughout the summers i would you know teach curling camps um to make some extra money and i would work um like part-time renovation renovating other people's homes to make money <laughs> um obviously i couldn't do any of that with the pandemic all the camps are canceled um and nobody's letting me into their home to renovate <laughs> so it's been um it's definitely been um an unsure time but fortunately with uh, being part of the High Performance Program, uh, none of our funding there has changed. So we're still um, supported the athletes. So there's there's that reassurance. So there's still a little bit of money coming in there. Um, but it's it's been difficult, even just as far as the, like, sponsorship level uh, for teams. We – fortunately, we have uh, amazing sponsors that has been with us forever, like McKee Travel and Days Vineyards. They – basically we can't guarantee them a ton of airtime a ton of you know publicity on our jerseys and stuff because we don't even know what our tournaments are going to look like um, but they're still willing to support us throughout this season so that's really gone a long way and just beyond grateful to to have uh, partnerships like that.
0: For some teams sponsorship is a continuing struggle exacerbated by the current situation. Team Scheidegger as an example have been to the Scotties twice and have won a Grand Slam event and yet as Casey Scheidegger points out attracting new sponsors is always difficult. For
2: us personally it's been really difficult. We're We're lucky to have you know, three or four sponsors that have kind of stuck with us over the years, regardless of the situation. Um, but you know, it's not necessarily just a COVID thing. I think we definitely have less this year because of COVID and some of the financial struggles of our previous sponsors. However, um, you know, we struggled the past few years to find um, sponsors that are, are willing to kind of come on board and even with QD coverage. So that's been difficult for us, and I think it's something that we're trying to get better at is, you know, making our brand and finding sponsors that are are willing to stick with us for a little bit longer term. You know, fortunately enough for us, we don't have a ton of travel planned for this year, so we have found the sponsorship to be able to fund for this current situation. However, um, going forward, we're really going to have to work hard to find some more if we are planning on traveling. In the next couple of years so you know it's always been a bit of a struggle but you know we're trying to at least get enough to be able to fund the events that we want to play
0: in this season has been a bit of a double whammy for colin hodgson of team McEwen. colin is part of a team that depends on sponsors to help fund the cost of being an elite team while also being one of the co-owners of dynasty curling who typically sponsor many curling teams each season Colin provided from the hack with some great insight into the impact that the pandemic has had on his business and why he sees a light at the end of the tunnel.
8: There's a lot of aspects to this, a lot of different tree branches. You can go off on a tangent, but um, there's a lot of things you have to think of as not only a curler, but as a manufacturer or a curling partner to teams. Is um, The sponsorship angle is one. Uh, Our company, we sponsor dozens, well, in some way, we sponsor hundreds of curling teams, and the impact of what we can do within our business has completely, completely changed. Um, we recently acquired the Curling Canada contract, um, and dealing with Curling Canada and, and with all of the stakeholders involved, there's just so many aspects to it, and things people have to revisit. And and essentially, you're doing work twice, two, three, four, five times. Um, teams might be going through this; it might be frustrating. Where you can't get a yes or no from sponsors, we don't know when your events are. We don't know when to make the apparel, and then all of a sudden you get teams jumping in say we need or stuff in two weeks because we only have two events this year. Well, typically that industry used to be six to eight weeks for uniforms. So now we're getting information within a week or two weeks of when people need items, and um, so that you know puts a lot of strain on everything, on on our other regular customers and our other contracts. And these are things that we have to think about: is what can we do? And we have to start taking steps back. And it's really hard to do because these people are your colleagues and your friends. Um, you know, I we sponsor all sorts of teams that we play against. And obviously, you know, I'm conflicted as it is because I want to help everybody out. And this makes it a lot harder to make those decisions. Um, and, and it makes it difficult. But I think some of the benefit is in going through those decisions, you can really find out who are the people who understand what it's like to support other people as a sponsor in curling. Um so in some ways, I've gained some friends through this. I've lost maybe some friendships or some close friendships through this. Um, but all in all, it's interesting to consider the growth of what can happen through such a fundamental change in all of our lives. Um, we're having more conversations with people. We're you know pushing the envelope of what we can do as curlers. Um, people are working together that I did never think we would have seen. So. Um, without giving away too much, there's a lot of really exciting things that curling fans can be looking forward to, um, you know. And, and that's just a testament to people finding common ground um, through COVID and this pandemic, and and just finding ways to push the boundaries of what we can do. And ultimately, everyone's here to try to keep our sport alive. We can't take our foot off the pedal in this situation. Um, we need that. And we need people to work together and be understanding and I, don't think, I think not only in curling, we just see that in society. And so that's why there's so much up and down right now is these conversations are easy ones to have with people. And I think collectively we're going to a good place in our sport as long as people continue to work together and, and try to build something for the future.
0: If you're looking to buy some new curling equipment, look no further than Hardline. They offer premium curling equipment that is a choice of the world's top curlers. Whether it's the U.S. Olympic gold medalist, Team Schuster, or women's Olympic gold medalist, Sweden's Team Hasselberg. Or how about the top Canadian teams, Briar champs, Team Cooey, Team Gushu, Team Jacobs, Team Carruthers, and world champions, Team Adine and Team Tiernzoni. Hardline's new composite broom, the Hybrid Helium, is the lightest composite broom on the market, and it's perfect for beginners. Hardline also offers a full range of equipment to get you playing your best, including shoes, apparel, and the Pro Slide Delivery Aid designed by Reed Carruthers. Visit our website at www.hardlinecurling.com and join the revolution. In competitive sports, most athletes are goal-oriented as they prepare themselves for a season or for a specific event. They work hard to develop a routine that best allows them to balance the physical and mental demands required to reach their goals, with other demands placed on them by their work, their family, or other outside sources. This balance is often difficult to find for elite athletes as they spend an inordinate amount of time preparing for and competing in their sport of choice. It's no different for elite curlers, where the sport has evolved to a point where it has basically become a year-long commitment like it has in just about every walk of life the pandemic has forced curlers to alter their routines and tweak their goals having to change or adapt individual or team goals has had an impact on just about every elite curler although as glenn howard shares the changing routine may be a little bit easier for veteran players to deal with as opposed to younger players
3: i definitely think it would be easier to swallow for a Of a wily veteran like myself or or a Kevin Cooey or a Jennifer Jones or whatever, I think we would uh we kind of accept it uh a little bit easier maybe than the twenty two year old who is really working their tail off and they're doing their thing, and they're going oh my god, i you know I, I find my whole year and all of a sudden it's not there, and now what do I do and I got to change it It doesn't affect me personally it doesn't affect me that much or the more uh, of a veteran or maybe the more experience you've had might be easier to deal with that. Um, that being said, again, I, I, I just feel that uh, uh, you know these everybody every curl is going to be put into this position and they're going to have to deal with it. And it's, I guess I guess it's the teams and the players that can deal with the best that are going to come out of this uh, maybe a little less unsc- less sca- unscathed. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's weird. I, I, I uh, the more experienced might be able to handle this a little bit easier.
0: For Carly Burgess of the reigning world junior champions, Team Zacharias, who also happens to be a university student, the curling cancellations caused by the pandemic have been a mixed blessing. We all know,
2: like early, like the end of the season prior, you start to plan for what you want to do next year, where you want to travel, feels you want to go again. And um, we are working closely with Curling Canada as we're, our next-gen team and um, just figuring out the best schedule for us as going into women's, like what we need to compete in and what we maybe don't need to compete in. So when we first started that, it was a lot of unknown because this was during COVID. So we started planning out things, but we had no idea. And then soon, like, spiels just started canceling or they couldn't they couldn't be run. And and now we're left to, I think, four spiels until Christmas, four or five spiels, I think. Um, that includes, like, a Scotty's birth as well. Honestly, being in online classes, it hasn't affected me uh, a lot. I mean, I'm I'm a student athlete. I, I don't work right now. I'm just curling and in, in, in school. So it hasn't affected me a lot through this school. But it's definitely hard because I'm so used to, um, ever since I I was, like, 13, I've been competitively curling or 12. And I'm, like, so excited every single weekend because we get to go away and travel or, or um, compete. And it's just this year is, it's so different that it's hard as curling has taken up so much of my life and it gave me such a good balance in school that now I feel like I'm more focused on school, which is good because I'm planning on graduating. But curling is like my my love in, in life and it's just, um, it's hard to kind of find motivation when we're still practicing because clubs are open, but we're only completing like 15% as, as much as we usually would. So, it's hard that way to continue to stay motivated, but we all, like, as a team, we love the sport, so it's easy when we're on the ice together to um, to have fun. But it, it, it's unfortunate that um, our first year in, in women's, we can't compete and travel like we would like to.
0: The good news for Burgess is that until recently, there were very few restrictions in Manitoba which allowed teams to play in a few events as well as practice. That hasn't been the case in other areas, such as Quebec, where Laurie St. George has found it more difficult to fill the void in her daily routine caused by the lack of curling-related activities. See, curling, it's like my world, right? So even at
2: school, I'm taking less classes because of that. So I'm taking less classes to actually practice more in curling, to perform at curling. So everything is about curling in my life, right? And right now, I just have two classes in university. So now, and it's uh, distance classes, so it's like a web classes. So I have so much time to myself, not not to myself like taking care of myself, but I have so much time at home. Like, yes, I'm working. I'm making, obviously, I'm making more money to my own, right, because I'm working more. So that's actually a good part, right, because for next year, if next year we're going to play a lot of of steel, obviously we're going to play a lot of steel, if we can. Well, I can have money on the side to actually concentrate more in curling. But right now I have two classes. I'm working. And it's hard for me to not be in a curling club every night. <laughs> like I used to be playing league game, uh, seeing my friends, because all my friends is in curling, right? So not seeing them, I'm alone with my dog, <laughs> right? I'm watching curling games every, every day. Like I'm cooking, I'm watching curling. I'm studying, I have curling in the background. So every day I'm watching minimum one or two game of curling because I can't put this on the side because at the end of the year, at the end of the pandemic, if I put curling on the side, to actually uh, return in the, in the pattern in the mood of playing curling is going to be so, so hard if you put this on the side.
0: Many players, such as Colin Hodgson, have tried to make the best of a difficult situation during the pandemic by staying positive and focusing on the things they can control.
8: I'm looking for the next positive thing that we can we can have, and you know there's a lot of positives, you know, with the, the way society's had to uh, adapt the last little bit here. And you know there's ups and downs, and everybody's going through it. Things are up and down, uh, and it has been for quite quite some time since the Briar, really. With all the uncertainty comes a lot of anxiety, and a lot of anxiety, you know, leads to different, you know, different ways you can approach situations, whether it's positive or negative. So I think I've been focusing, at least as much as I, I can honestly say, I've been putting quite a bit of effort into it. You know, things are, I've been trying to take the positive outlook on things, and, you know, it's been great. I got engaged um, to my now fiancé, <laughs> um, Brittany, and, you know, it, it's been really exciting, and you know, we're moving into a new house together and, you know, we've got cats and doing some of the, catching up on some of the things in life that haven't, uh, I, I've completely neglected for, for quite some time. So, you know, that's the positive thing. And the negative thing is uh, clearly we're not curling, you know, income for not only, uh, you know, being a, a curler and traveling around and, you know, dealing with the finance and that and sponsorship and how all that's affected in, in a positive or negative way is interesting. But just... You know, personally, with with finance and how it goes, and with the having my own business that's um, so connected to curling, uh, you know, it's it's something that fortunately I have lots of time to sit down and think about and to work on um, with all this downtime.
0: Psychologist Adam Kingsbury, who is best known in the curling community as the current coach of Team Dunstone and the former coach of Team Holman and Team Jacobs, among others, believes that the best way for curlers, or anyone else for that matter, to deal with the unexpected curveballs thrown at them by the pandemic is to be resilient and to adapt to the changes as best as they can.
9: I think it's important to acknowledge that change for anybody, no matter where they are in their life, whether they have all the creature comforts in the world or... Are struggling day to day. Our perceived stress, the perceived changes in our ability to uh, handle those changes, uh, affects people in remarkably similar ways. Usually, we predict that we're unable to cope with things, and we find ourselves in tough situations. And we find that we're actually able to um, handle things far better than maybe we predicted. And when we look at curling, and uh, what's happening right now. I mean, curling's no different than all the other sports across the world. This pandemic has uh, affected everyone, everyone and everything. And when it comes to the routines that people set up in their life, that's just a normal habit that we all have. We want our life to be predictable. We don't want to worry. We don't want to have to continually engage in online uh, planning and wondering what the next steps are going to be. And when we don't have answers to things, the illusions of safety that we had that come with our routines are being exposed as exactly that, illusions. There's no option but to adapt. We can spend a lot of time uh, wishing things were different, uh, blaming um, different authorities, and, and you can see a lot of distress in the discourse that's out there today, some people thinking that we should be getting back to normal, and other people's people's perspective is that we aren't doing enough in terms of locking down. And that, to me, is just a sign of a lot of distress and fear, and you're going to get polarizing opinions no matter where uh, you look. So the, the sooner that an athlete is able to adapt to what's happening around them, the sooner that some sort of comfort will come from this. And and I do truly believe that it's not making the most of the opportunity because that kind of sounds folksy, but it's learning to be comfortable with the things that you do have. And one of the greatest lessons we can learn is that a lot of content and well-being comes from the simple things, from being able to spend time with, our loved ones, from taking care of our, our bodies, getting more sleep, from pending injuries, from engaging different um, parts of learning about the game, watching game footage, watching old games. There, there's so much that we can do while the season's on hold. And so I will often just leave that on the table. You, you have a choice. You can um, make the most of this or you can continue to wish things were different than they currently are.
0: I thought I'd give the last word of this episode to Susan O'Connor, an Olympic silver medalist in curling at the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver, who has been part of an even more important team over the past few months as a respiratory therapist at a hospital in Calgary. Susan has not only had to treat COVID-19 patients, but she was recently in quarantine after there was an outbreak at her hospital. Susan, who also serves as the coach for Team Scheidegger, certainly feels for elite curlers and what they are going through, but she echoes what Adam Kingsbury shared, which is that the curlers need to adapt to the current reality and make the most of it. I
2: feel for these guys. You know, curling's funny because we're kind of stuck in this no-man's land between professional and amateur and, you know, these other professional sports that made the bubble work, you know, trying to wrap my head around how that's feasible for people that have curling their passion, and, and, you know, they're trying to get that Olympic trial spot. This is generally such an important year for these guys, right? And these guys would have had this year planned, and they would know everything that they're going into, and, and all their training, it would be planned down to, like, the last minute almost, and it's just, we're not in an environment now that that's feasible, and i I can't imagine the stress of it all. I think the only thing that I can say is that, you know, you've got to look at these things and maybe there's opportunities for other things that you didn't have time to to do before because you were competing so much. Um, I know we definitely felt it. Like, there's a big burnout with how long seasons have become. So maybe these are times and opportunities that people can just look and say, okay, we can't compete as much, We, we can't travel as much, but we can still train, and uh, we can still stay in our bubbles and and work on the things that you maybe didn't have time for. Before. You know, you're normally playing all the time to gain points to get that trial spot, but now you could maybe just actually take the time to work on things to become a better team. You know, there's mental resiliency to learn, and it's mental flexibility, and more mental training that can be done, and more team practices, and I, I guess you just have to, be as flexible as you can and, and just go with it. And, you know, I was with Team Scheidegger a couple of weeks ago for a training session here in Calgary, and, you know, I look at that team and three of them are new moms. Like three of them have kids under the age of one. This is a bit of a blessing for them because they don't have to worry about dragging these kids all over in place, and they can play more locally, and, and they're not going to be behind the eight ball of other teams that can play every event every weekend. So there are positives from it. I certainly get the anxiety of the uncertainty of it all. But I think there's just, just as the curlers, just as everybody else in the public, you just have to make smart decisions. You know, keep your bubble as small as possible. There's things you can do at events to to not be socializing, order takeout. You don't need to be going to restaurants all the time. You know, it's just different now. And that's life and that's curling as well.
0: And that does it for this bonus episode of the From the Hack Curling Podcast. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to visit thecurlingnews.com for more curling content, including the Two Girls in the Game Podcast and the Curling Legends Podcast. I'm Frank Rock, and this is From the Hack, part of the Curling News and Sports Illustrated partnership.